0: One of the first things that I notice about people, it's going to sound so weird, but it's their teeth. I am obsessed with a good pair of teeth, and I always want to have a good pair of teeth. Do you even call them pairs of teeth? I don't think so. But anyways, achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with bite-clear liners. you guys. Don't be surprised if all of a sudden your sleuthing friends start asking... What's your secret? What's your secret about your pair of teeth? Why do they look so good? To get started, all you need to do is order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear liners are doctor-directed and delivered right to your door. They make it easy to kick off your smile journey. Bite's treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, they accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA or FSA. I freaking loved using my Bite aligners. I would wear them during the day and nobody would even know that I was wearing them because they're kind of like invisible. It's pretty iconic. And my teeth, my pair of teeth look great. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code morbid at bite.com. That's byt dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Bite.
1: Hey weirdos, I'm Ash. And I'm Elena. And this
0: is Morbid.
1: It's a very special morbid because it's Ash's birthday. Oh, oh, oh. Oh. It's a birthday morbid. Birthday morbid. Birthday morbid. <laughs> birthday morbid. Yeah, she's recording on her birthday. I am indeed. You know, she, she loves you so much. I love you. I want to celebrate with you. And you know, uh there ain't no rust for the wicked. There isn't. And you know what? What better way to spend your birthday than with all of your closest friends? That's exactly how I feel. There you go. That's
0: exactly how I feel. At Lizzo.
1: There you go. <laughs> At Lizzo. Lizzo is one of your closest friends, I would say. I mean, if she doesn't know it, but I, I wish she did.
0: If Lizzo Imagine. recognized my existence, I don't think my insides would ever stop just flopping around. Yeah.
1: I mean, because already with JVM, Oops, I'm on a carnival ride. I, I'm, I'm like on a constant carnival ride. They posted on um, on Instagram stories yes. about like listening and how we mentioned them oh died i died i died the amount of people that texted me and were like what What and i was like i was like guys i'm like i'm floating on a cloud i can't
0: legit you know that ride like zero gravity yeah on that's how i feel that's yeah like no gravity so once again Love you, Jonathan. <laughs> love you, and also love you, Lizzo. Love you so much, Lizzo. Please recognize my existence, okay?
1: <laughs> Please recognize my existence. It is my birthday, Lizzo. We gotta make that
0: happen. Oh, we really do, girl. I don't even. It's I don't my even mission. Know if I could handle that, it's my mission. In the the life. club wouldn't be able to handle me right now. <laughs> yeah. the, the club already can't handle you. Uh, no, I've reached the age where I can't handle the club. Oh, yeah. I've been at that age for like a, over a decade. And to be honest with you, I actually don't know the last time I went to a club, but it's many moons ago. It's probably for the best. 100% to be honest. I don't need anybody grinding all up on me. No way. Get away from me. You're
1: almost a married woman. Oh, my gosh. I know. <laughs> Life has changed. You're an engaged woman. <laughs> I know. Look and at that. I have the best I fiance. You do. All I right. love Drew is like...
0: I know he, Chef's kiss. I just have to shout him out really quickly because he took me to my favorite restaurant last night in Boston, and he like did. planned the whole thing. He he said that he had that plan for a month. Yeah, once. he's been like,
1: yeah, he he knew what he was doing. He's cook a k- killing it. He really is. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know what? What what better thing to talk about on Ash's birthday than uh, a murder in Salem? I mean. Feels right. That it, it feels perfect. Feels right. Fits like a glove. It really does. Uh, we're going to be talking about uh, surprisingly an old timey murder. Wait, do you like those? <laughs> I do you do. ever? Do you ever study those? Sometimes. Every once in a while. Wild. Uh, this is the murder of Captain Joseph White by the Knapp brothers in 1830. Oh, is he like a distant cousin of your family? Uh, I I wonder. Maybe. Um, I kind of hope not. To be quite honest, once once we get into it, I'm like, yeah, I don't claim that. There's a a lot of there's a lot of those. So I feel like I'm like, nah, 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 we're not not anywhere near him. Well, this happened in 1830 Salem, Massachusetts. Love it. Uh, One of my favorite places on planet Earth. Duh. If not my favorite place, I will say. I was going to say, I think that is your favorite place. I think it might be. Uh, We're going to be talking about 82-year-old Captain Joseph White, who was a retired and extremely wealthy merchant living in a fancy-ass home in Salem, Massachusetts at 128 Essex Street, which is a very like, Mm. everyone knows Essex Street. They sure do. His home was actually referred to as the most impressive home in Salem at the time. Oh, shit. Yeah, I think the youths would call him um, a baller. Do they still say that? I don't know. They would. I think they
0: would say, um, "No cap, this guy slaps." Whoa,
1: yeah, <laughs> that was- <laughs> that got great. So, baller is like not a thing anymore. I'm. Just, I do not know. I don't know. Youth's let us know. I only have one youth friend. Yeah, and I. I you're my youth friend. So, <laughs> well, I think I'm aging out of the youth. exactly youth so- of it all. So see, I'm behind on my Kaylee. What would they say? That's my, that's my youth friend. There you go. Kaylee, tell us. Is baller cool still? I don't know. I call him a baller. He okay, seems like okay. a baller, but he's also like a dick. Um, is he a shot caller? He. There you go. There, there we you know. go. We're bringing it to a place of old. <laughs> I was going to say, we're bringing it relevant. We're bringing it more <laughs> and more relevant here. So he was a widower and he had no children. It's also said that he... Um, And here's where my whole thing of, like, I don't want to be associated with him is. Okay. He had ties to the slave trade. Oh, no. We do not claim him. Yep. He owned and supplied ships bringing slaves from Africa to Boston. So, like, you're not my family. And I'm 100% sure he's not. We've actually done genealogy, so he's not in there. Oh. I don't have anybody in Salem. Oh. Yeah. That's, um surprising well i should say i don't have anybody on my like married side Uh, in salem my side i don't know Hmm. like my actuals like maiden name i don't know right right you you know how it goes. You know what names are you know names are hard. Yeah, but I kind of hope I have someone in Salem on my side. I bet you would. You you give off witch vibes, right? Not There's got to be someone that did it. That wasn't me calling you a bitch. That was no, like, I appreciate witch. it. Witch. That's literally never never an insult. No, so don't either worry. way. You're like no bring matter it on. what, I took that as a compliment. <laughs> so you didn't even have to. <laughs> now, what's interesting is that you know owning humans was abolished in Massachusetts in 1783. This was in 1830, and Captain White didn't give a shit. Oh, fuck this guy. Yeah. In fact, he told a minister in Salem, are you ready for this? I'm not. He told a minister in Salem, uh, William Bentley was the minister's name. He said, quote, he had no reluctance in selling any part of the human race.
0: I am leaving. Any part. I'm, I'm going to take a ride on a big jet plane, yeah. and I'm out of
1: here. Yeah, 1830, man, that's disgusting. Wow, like truly, I—it's hard to think of a more vile statement no, than that's that. It, it really is. Like, yeah, that's a wretched human. I have no reluctance in selling any part of the human race. It's like, oh, oh, you have zero, and also like your boundaries. You're you, strangely enough part of the. I was going to say you are like I. I'm reluctant to say that you are part of it, but yeah. like sell yourself, man. Yeah, woof down the river. It's a lot. So he lived with his niece, Mary Beckford, who was also his housekeeper.
0: Okay. Yeah. I love that he's just like employing his family.
1: Yeah. Right? Like it's just, okay. And then there was um, another, somebody who they called a domestic servant named Lydia Kimball. And then a man, Benjamin White, who was also related to White, but like kind of distantly and also worked as his manservant. Manservant. So (laughs) So he had a lot of family members that just like... Worked for him and he paid probably shit. Now, Mary Beckford had a daughter, Mary, as well, mm-hmm. who had once lived in the home and she had moved out because she married a dude named Joseph J. Knapp Jr. And lived and she now lived with him in Wentham, Massachusetts. Wentham? Yeah. Oh. <laughs> You're like, what? I was like, <laughs> do you mean Rentham? <laughs> <laughs> no, I do not. Wentham, Massachusetts. Um, Knapp had ran a ship called Caroline that White owned at one point. So there's like a whole connection with everybody. So he knows Knapp. Knapp was had to do with ships and all that. He's a ship guy. Okay. So the Knapp family consisted of the father, Joseph Knapp Sr., and he had sons Joseph Knapp Junior and Nathaniel Phippen Knapp and John Francis Knapp, otherwise called Joe Phippen and Frank. Joe That's how they were known. Joe Frank. Exactly. This family was also really well-known around town. They were very wealthy, very respected. Joseph Knapp Sr. had done a lot of business with Captain White, and the family home was close by to his mansion on Essex Street. Okay. So there's like a connection here. Now Joe, one of the Knapps, Joe was a sea guy. A seaman. He did sea things, you know. Navies. Water. Swim. Yep. Lots of... uh. Wet. Lots of wet business, I Salt. suppose. It's getting weird. But Frank, <laughs> Frank got acquainted with two petty thieves from a prominent family. Their names were Richard and George Crown and Shield. And, his, and he did this in his teen years. He became friends with them. And so like, he was like, not, not, not in a great way. at Yeah, this point. he's like veering down about. Yeah. Him. Joe's out in the sea. Frank is hanging out with these two petty thieves, Richard and George Crown and Shield. And then Fippin went to Harvard and had just been admitted to the bar. Wow, so they got a whole lot of everything, those parents. Yeah, I was gonna say they got like the real like variety pack of kids. So, like <laughs> it's just,
0: like that's a perfect way to describe it. Truly that. the
1: variety pack. Like they were like, we have a petty thief, we have a, yeah. a seaman, and we have a Harvard guy. We have Ups. Yeah, we have Fritos <laughs> and we have lace. Exactly. <laughs> fritos.
0: <laughs> like you that. know I love to pronounce a T.
1: We have a Frito. frito over would here. you like a Frito? Would you like a Frito? Sounds like that. would you
0: like my like a frito? Would you like a frito?
1: <laughs> A dead, toe. Toe. a dead man's toe. A dead man's toe. Now, in the winter of 1829 to 1830, Captain Joseph White was uh, feeling ill. Good, he wasn't feeling great. I'm glad. Not. And he had his lawyer Joseph Waters draft him a new will because he's like, I'm getting old, not feeling great. Yeah, you said he was 83. Back he's then. pretty old. Yeah, that's and a lot. And he's and now he's ill. So it's like, oh, okay, I yeah. should probably draft a new will because like it's the time is probably near.
0: Whether you're graduating from school, planning a wedding, welcoming a baby, or switching jobs, now it's the right time to protect your family's finances. And Policy Genius is your one stop shop to find the insurance you need at the right price. Head to policygenius.com to get started. And in minutes, you can compare personalized quotes from top companies to find your lowest price. You could save 50% or more on life insurance by comparing quotes with Policy Genius. And the licensed agents at Policy Genius are on hand through the entire process to help you understand your options and to make decisions with confidence. The Policy Genius team works for you, not the insurance companies. By the way, Policy Genius does not add on extra fees, and Policy Genius has thousands of five star reviews across Google and Trustpilot. Since 2014, Policy Genius has helped over 30 million people shop for insurance and placed over $150 billion in coverage. Head to policygenius.com to get your free life insurance quotes and see how much
1: you could save. Now, this new will was going to make some changes when it came to who inherited his money. Because, again, he had a lot of money. Now, like we said, he was a huge asshole, um, particularly to those who worked for him. So even if they were family, he was shitty to them. Like, he was shitty to everybody. That's he was nice. like an equal opportunity offender. Yeah. Uh, the only person who escaped his bullshit behavior was his grandniece, Mary. Okay. Who we mentioned earlier, who happened to also be very young and very attractive. But she's his grandniece. Thank you. In fact. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. He, in fact, he was pissed when he found out about her engagement to Joseph Knapp.
0: Not only are you her great
1: uncle, you're literally on your deathbed. Yep. Now, why was he pissed about that? Like, Joe's a seaman. Yeah. He's doing sea things. And Captain White is a, a sea guy. And you said the naps worked for the whites. Exactly. Like, uh, like they, they've all been connected. And and Joe's not the petty thief. Yeah. He's, he's not he's Frank. He's the hard work. His hands are dirty. He's His hands are dirty. He's got calluses. Like, he's out there. He's a working man. Yeah. Why is he pissed? And he loves the sea. Well, he was mad because Mary and her granduncle, Captain Joseph White, were having an affair in the hopes of producing an heir to leave his fortune to. Oh, that is so backwards. I mean, we all have family quirks, but this is like bordering on Hills Eyes territory it's now. It's not bordering. It's there. That's it's, some, it's wrong turn. There are some flowers in your attic. Yeah, there's a lot of flowers in your attic, and we have taken a wrong turn. Oh. <sighs> And the hills do have (laughs) ice. There's a lot of it. (laughs) I'm like, what other gross... What other disgusting thing can we think of? Yeah. So on April 5th, 1830, Mrs. Beckford went to Wenham. This is Mary Beckford. She went to Wenham to spend a few days with her daughter. Okay. Now on April 7th, 1830 at 6 a.m., it was Captain White's manservant Benjamin White who woke up first. That's just never. I have to gonna keep be calling funny. him a manservant. That's like, what he is. So. Yeah, that's what you want. That's what you are. You're a manservant. Now he started doing his manservant business around Stop. the home, and when he looked out the kitchen window briefly, he noticed that the back window on the first floor was wide open. Okay, and he was like, "Huh," because he also noticed that a wood plank was leaned against it, leading up to the window, and he immediately was like. That's weird. That's fishy. Because, again, he's a manservant, and manservants don't miss a trick. Of course not. They don't miss a trick, manservants. they're nimble and quick. So he started thinking in that manservant brain of his. Stop saying it. And he's like, there's a shit ton of valuables in this home. I should find out what just happened here. Like that doesn't look right. He, we don't we don't leave shit like that. He's an OJ O G simply safe. He is. He's like mm, something. He's like boop boop. Something's wrong. Yeah. Yeah. So he let the maid Lydia Kimball know about it, and they decided to go check on the old asshole together. Okay. Yeah. Um. So they walk into his bedroom, and uh oh, his bedroom door is open. Oh no. So and that's. That's not happening ever. No. At this point, I would have just run the hell away. I would have been like, well, it's been real, he but bye. He yeah. sucked Now, I'd be like, that is not normal. So they immediately saw blood saturated the bed and Captain White's bedclothes. Oh, damn. The old man lay on his right side at a diagonal angle across the bed, and he had deep wounds in his left temple. Oh, in his left temple? Yep. Further inspection proved that there were also many wounds near his heart and underarms like stab wounds was he stabbed in the temples well we'll see now none of his valuables were touched including a chest filled with gold doubloons what's a doubloon it's like what pirates take oh like gold, gold doubloons yeah the, like like just a big old chest of like gold coins like essentially. Tra- treasure treasure like literal treasure okay well that's straight that's up treasure weird. now they didn't really you know they were like we don't really need to try cpr because like he's cold and very dead Like that is very clear. And even if he wasn't cold
0: and very dead, he's kind of a dick. Yeah. It's like
1: Mm -hmm. oof. So he uh his temple was crushed and the skull beneath it was fractured by a seriously savage blow to the head. He also had thirteen stab wounds around his heart and under his left arm, inflicted by a very long dagger. Ow. Yeah. I feel like are they immediately like, which they probably were. They probably had like 18 names already like just ready oh, yeah. to rattle off women that like have rejected them women right. who didn't you know looked at them the wrong way your neighbor who didn't lend you any sugar yeah a neighbor who showed her ankle when she shouldn't have get like, your ankles away from get me get your fucking ankles in oh, gosh. yeah they were ready to start um, just blazing this place down
0: i mean i guess at this point it was like the 1800s
1: so they was a little say. far past that
0: but you know, <laughs> we're like a little past that but not totally <laughs> we're like only a couple hundred
1: years past it's true it, but, but you know where we're in Salem at this point and this guy owns slaves so yeah he does so Benjamin his manservant did what any of us here would do next he turned to Lydia and he said quote Captain White has gone to the eternal world I always say that that's what if I find somebody dead in their bed, I would be like, y- yep, eternal world. That's what's happened. Eternal world. Again, perhaps. I would I would run very far away and then maybe say that from like a, a good distance. But yeah. I'm out of there. I don't know if this guy's still in here. That's what I was going to say. This. He could still be lurking. Yeah, he's it's waiting lurking. for you to do your flowery poetic like statement of death. And then he's going to murder you. So he then said he would go to the neighbors to get help. So he was like, Lydia, I'm going to go get some help here. Okay, Lizzie. So he went screaming out into the street and summoned Dr. Samuel Johnson. He came. He confirmed this guy who was laying in a pool of blood with his skull crushed was indeed dead. What a great dog. Yeah, he was like, I got this, guys. He also determined that he had likely died three to four hours before this. Okay. Now, along with the doctor... William Ward, the Captain, uh, Captain White's clerk and business assistant came as well. So there's a lot of people coming and just being like, Oh, look, he's dead. So William Ward checked out the window. He was like, What? How did they get in? What happened here? So he notices that there's muddy footprints under it. And he was like, Probably the culprits. I would I think. Would say. So wow, what great detective work. Now this is crazy. Plaster casts were starting to be used by forensic scientists by 1830. Oh shit. Yeah. So Ward was a quick, was quick thinking and he placed a milk pan over the prints to make like to protect them from the because there was like light rain coming down and oh, he okay. didn't want them to be messed up. So he put a milk pan over them so that they wouldn't get fucked up. Wow. Yeah. Ahead of his time. Now that's all well and fine, but unfortunately no one took a cast of these prints. Awesome. So he saved them for for not. Wow. He must yeah. have been like, I'll just go fuck <laughs> myself. Yeah, pretty much. He's like, Wow, I'm quick thinking here. And none of you are. And none of you are doing anything about it. Capricorn energy. It's so true. <laughs> so true. Now let's let's get to autopsy time, shall we? Well, we were just talking about copper copper cones. The copper. Autopsy time. So Dr. Johnson performed an autopsy in front of a what is called, quote, a coroner's jury, which is a jury of locals. They're just like pulling people out of pubs and shit. Okay. (laughs) Who were basically there to assess the facts of the case and determine whether a crime had indeed taken place. We have mentioned these in other cases before yes. it, in these time periods. Very strange. We just grab people out of pubs. We have them come. Right. The autopsy is done. And they just go, sure. Sounds good to me. <laughs> exactly. Like or not i just love that they have like no expert
0: or like well they might have like some expertise but like not in this particular field and they're like hey jim yeah finish
1: your pint sure absolutely go ahead oh yeah but then we we're gonna have to have you come down we need you thanks we need you local and it's like any expertise that is happening here is purely by accident yeah like like, totally by accident i'm a baker yeah jim's like i you know i make little tea cozies for a living what is oh a A tea? tea cozy is that like, like a, a little more cozy for your for your tea, like a cozy? Yeah, like oh. a tea cozy is like a yeah, it's a thing. Cozy, cozy. Yeah, like a cozy w- would be like you know for you the be a... foamy kind of material. Yes, I yes. would think, but I would think that Jim crochets tea cozies. He must. Yeah, that's how I see it, at least.
0: Okay. <laughs> or he makes those little the little um, pot holder things that look like
1: dicks. <laughs> there you go. Have I Ever seen those? Yes, I have. wow we've smeared this fictional jim's (laughs) entire career jim's like i'm a farmer fictional jim is like damn all right i provide the i provide food for the entire village but but okay cool thanks future assholes yeah jim doesn't exist it's okay guys but uh, in the (laughs) whatever sorry jim now in the jury's presence johnson started to eviscerate And this is when he counted the 13 stab wounds that he could see. Okay. So the report states, and I quote, Oh, God. Five stabs in the region of the heart, three in front of the left pap, which is the nipple, And five others still further back, as though the arm had been lifted up and instruments struck underneath. (laughs) They all came from one dagger, so it was likely one person, he noticed. And he also noticed that the wounds had not spurted blood at all and had only slightly oozed. So that meant that the blow to the head was first and had likely killed Captain White or at least very much incapacitated him to the point of really slowing down blood circulation. Because obviously if there was circulating blood at a normal rate, those wounds would be going boop, boop, boop and you'd be splurting everywhere. They even make that noise. Boop, boop, boop. If you've ever had a wound, you know. I'm not lying. You get a paper cup, boop, 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 boop. Yeah, that's that how we be all know. So horrific. How? Oh. That would be really annoying. Yeah, I'd be pissed. Yeah. Truly. Now, this was only the initial assertion though. This okay. was just like the first go at it. Okay. A more complete and thorough autopsy, because again, this was just done in front of a bunch of locals, just like Willy-nilly. right in the living room somewhere. Um, so they did a more thorough autopsy on April 8th at 530 in the evening. Now this time, Dr. Johnson was assisted by Dr. Abel Pearson, who was a medical colleague of his. Okay. Thought they'd get some more professional eyes on this whole situation instead of Jim from the the Tea Cozy Shop. Yes. So this time they agreed that the skull fracture was due to a single severe blow from a cane or bludgeon. And one blow of the dagger was so forceful that it broke ribs. Ooh, ouch. Yeah. Pearson, like, it's really hard to break a rib, I would think Pearson actually said he didn't believe without he didn't believe without a doubt that it could be proven through the autopsy that only one person had inflicted these wounds. So oh. he did not believe that this autopsy showed that only one person did this. I could see that because you have two separate instruments, yeah, and he's he's at least saying, like, I can't say it without a doubt. Like he's right. being smart. That's like, yeah that's good medical examiner he's like, if you can't say it for sure you don't say it right he's like yeah one person could have done this but maybe two i'm he's like I you know what it? maybe not who am i he's i'm like, not jim the tea cozy maker but i'm i am a medical associate yeah one plus one plus there you go now captain white's nephew stephen white gave the salem gazette permission to publish all the autopsy findings So what it said in the Salem Gazette was, quote, However revolting the subject may be, we have deemed it our duty to lay before our readers every particle of authentic information we can obtain, respecting the horrible crime which has so shocked and alarmed our community. Yeah. Thank you, Salem Gazette. That's nice. Appreciate it. Thanks for the kind words. Yeah, you got permission. Everything's cool. And then you were just like, I know it's going to fuck you guys up. But. But. I don't know what to tell you. The shit is gnarly, and we feel like you should. That's essentially what they said. Now, Stephen actually initially became a chief suspect. Oh, yeah, he was close with the captain, and although he was staying at the Tremont House at the time, from April seventh until then, he had been in Salem a lot and was thought to be the inheritor of most of Captain White's money. Right, because he doesn't have an heir. So, And then Stephen lives there? I think he's just like hanging around a lot. Stephen's hanging around a lot. Yeah. He's probably whispering in somebody's ear about an inheritance. I see it. Yeah, so see, whenever there's somebody that's going to inherit most of the money, you at least have to look at them. Of course you do. Now, when he found out Stephen would inherit most of the captain's fortune, um, Stephen White's brother-in-law, so Stephen White's brother-in-law heard that Stephen and was possibly going to get a lot of this money. He, quote, seized White by the collar, shook him violently in the presence of family, and accused him of being the murderer. So that's how he became a suspect, which is pretty shady. Yeah. That the, his brother-in-law heard he was getting most of the money and then in front of family was like, you fucking murderer, you did it. This is giving <laughs> knives out. It, it really is. Right? It really is. Now, Salem went bonkers at this point salem is always going bonkers salem's going bonkers forever and always in like you know different ways in different ways in different shades and different varied hues sometimes we're going bonkers in a good way
0: sometimes yeah. in a gnarly way sometimes in a hysteria way
1: exactly right now it feels like it like now in 2022 it feels like it's in a good way it feels like straight vibes yeah it's going like what what, is, what does caleb say oh he says it's going crazy it goes crazy but like he doesn't
0: mean like oh my gosh they're going so crazy he he means means like like, oh that's fucking great like that goes crazy yeah or he might say Salem is bussin (laughs) But I don't say
1: things like that because <laughs> your face when you said you were like yes, yeah, Salem is bussin'. <laughs> um, we we have heard a lot of Calebisms this week, and, and I love them. It's pretty great. <laughs>
0: yeah, I wish I could say bussin' more, but it doesn't feel correct coming out of my no, face. It
1: feels really right coming out of Caleb. Yeah, and C- so does goes crazy. Like when he's like, "Wow, that goes crazy." I'm I like, love "It that. does. He says that. It does go crazy, Caleb. It Thank does." Yous. Yeah.
0: <laughs> so that about Taco
1: Bell the other night? Yeah, it goes crazy so so salem's going bonkers in like a bad way like they're freaking out right because right. this was pretty big this was a very well-known man he was a very wealthy man a very respected in that time man which yeah. i'm like guys Well, but- and he was like the ship captain <clears throat> yeah and aren't all the
0: streets in salem named after ship captains are they? Um so I my 333 tattoo that I got mm-hmm. um shout out to Bald Bill from Yankee Tattoo in Burlington. There you go. He loves Salem and he I think he told me that all the streets are named after ship captains.
1: It would make sense. Yeah. Like it makes a lot of sense cuz Salem is very much a a you sea know. town yeah and he also said that at the
0: hawthorne Ho- hotel there's like this crazy big book on like the top floor oh i heard about this but you can only go up there if you're like a sea captain or like uh maybe i don't know if he said like if you're related to one or something like Ooh. that and you can see the book but guess what bald bill my dude so fucking cool he got to see it
1: hell yeah he did not
0: even a sea captain
1: yeah but he's a sea captain in our hearts he's he's my <laughs> sea captain captain oh captain
0: captain my captain yeah if you're ever in need of a tattoo and you're close to burlington and Bald Bill is your
1: guy. There you go. And if you're close to Salem, blackmail tattoo.
0: Yes. Ryan and Matt are you. <laughs> Ryan your dudes. and Matt.
1: So, so we're just sending you all over to get inked. Get inked, get man. inked bro. Uh, yeah. So Salem's going bonkers. And everyone's buying knives and pistols and adding locks to their doors. It's like the classic, like, oh shit. That's good. I mean, it's good. Yeah. But it's like, whoa. Like they're just buying pistols. I'm like, whoa. I meant more putting <laughs> locks on yeah, your door. Like, Always put locks on your doors, several, for sure. Several locks. Several locks. All the locks. Make sure it's Fort Knox in there. Even some salmon locks. But there you go. <laughs> Slap them on your door. Slap them on a bagel. I might, that will keep somebody away. That will, it will keep me away.
0: <laughs> I can tell you that much. <laughs> Maybe be like cats ooh. might be busting at your door. <laughs> I don't know if I use that right. They might
1: be busting at your door.
0: They might be busting <laughs> down your Caleb door. Caleb
1: is shaking his head right now. Caleb He's not see. even in the room, but he would be shaking his head right He's now. He's always like, no, Ash. And like you were saying, like, that's good to have locks. Before this, doors were never locked. No, People no. just Come on hanging. In. Yeah. Like, which is funny. It's like, especially in Salem, it's like, you guys have been through it. And yeah. it's like, and even by this time, they were like, eh, mm. Whatever. <laughs> it's probably not going to happen yeah, again. I don't <laughs> know. Cool. But yeah, it, something bad happened again. So trying to calm everyone down, they had an emergency town meeting a la Gilmore Girls where a neighborhood watch of sorts was organized. Was were Taylor like, at the head? Taylor Dosey was at the head. Love it. Um, and a 27-man committee of vigilance was put together.
0: Vigilance get a little swifty sometimes. Vigilante... <laughs>
1: justice can
0: be uh hairy yes. to say the least not bussin hairy vigilante justice does go go crazy it does go
1: crazy in like the bad way yes yeah so yeah so they were but you know what at this time that's all they got at this point they're just like we gotta be on it right so there's 27 dudes that are just ready to be vigilant you know which sounds really scary yeah now this was just again this was just a bunch of dudes ready to crack skulls and investigate crimes without any law enforcement experience whatsoever just like keep that in mind awesome in fact they were given full power to quote search any house and interrogate every individual i feel like we know how that goes feels like a recipe for anyone with a grudge against anyone to be like oh hello I can search your entire house and interrogate you I'd be like ooh and you would think that they would have learned that back in the 1600s you would think but members took an oath of secrecy and offered offered a $1,000 reward for information and this was supposed to be information quote touching on the murder seems like a bunch of Bunch of scary dudes to me but like that's just me
0: I absolutely love the summertime because I love swimming and then I love starting a fire afterwards and roasting marshmallows and the girls love to roast marshmallows with me and make s'mores. It's just great. It feels like summer. But the thing is, I love a good fire, but I do hate smelling like a good fire because the smoke, it like gets all up in my hair and then I feel stinky and all my clothes smell and it's annoying and then if I don't do laundry right away, my room smells and like I don't really like that but it's totally fine because now i have a solo stove and solo stove is absolutely incredible. You need to upgrade your backyard with a solo stove fire pit because you're going to create story worthy moments. And here's the thing, you're not going to have the fireside fumes because solo stove has a stainless steel construction that's designed to regulate airflow and burn way more efficiently. There's so little smoke that you're honestly going to sit there and wonder how there's even a fire. It is literally the perfect catalyst for going outside and spending more time with your family and friends. Build long lasting memories around a solo stove fire pit they are brilliantly engineered and it's like just so easy to use they're also built to last we've had ours for a year now drew set the thing up within like minutes i was like wow i've never seen you set something up so quickly and then we had a fire in it that night It's also super easy to clean up because there's no like hunks and chunks of wood in the fire at the end. It's really just pure white ash. It's like super easy to clean up. That's one of my favorite things because I don't really love cleanup. And the other best thing about it, in my opinion, is that it's portable. You can bring this thing anywhere. Have a fire in the backyard, the front yard, the side yard. You have a lot of yard. You could also bring it on a trip with you if you want. Also, Solo Stove is so confident that you're going to love this. They offer a lifetime warranty and a 30-day free return policy. And right now, you can get big discounts on all fire pits during Solo Stove's summer sale. Use promo code MORBID at solostove.com for an extra $10 off. That's solostove.com promo code MORBID for $10 off on top of their incredible summer sale discounts. But hurry, the summer sale ends on June
1: 23rd. (music) Now, since the investigation was not really not really getting a lot of solid lead, leads for a bit, because they're just being like, oh, Stephen, you probably did it because you're going to inherit the money. We have no basis for that whatsoever, but sure. Okay. Um, people were getting restless because, you know, as we've seen in, like, the West Memphis 3 case and stuff, police sometimes, like, especially with stuff like this... They want to calm the community. So sometimes it leads to a little bit of shoddy work yep. because we're, they're just trying to get a name, trying to get someone behind bars, trying to be like, everything's safe. You're good. Now the community is getting restless. The media is jumping all over it at this point. Nowadays, I think they would literally be like, guys, it's a dead end investigation. <laughs> like we're just, we're working, but I don't know what to tell you. Sure. But two weeks after the murder, the Salem Gazette reported, quote, in every instance in which suspicion has been excited as to any individual, investigation has made it manifest that there is no foundation for the belief of guilt.
0: I feel like there is, and it's
1: like, but who? I, I don't know. But who? Stephen? Question mark. Stay I don't, I feel like that's just like somebody needs to come up and be like, that means no, <laughs> like it's like what that was the most flowery way to just be like, yeah, we don't have anybody. Very. Do much you have so. anybody? No. We don't. Nah. Now, one of the issues was lack of obvious motive here because nothing was stolen. Lack of obvious motive, but like inheritance. Well, the, there's that, but the like if it's somebody outside the family, then why there's literally no motive here Vengeance. because nothing was stolen and the home was not ransacked, but then it became clear that this old dude was not a su- super sweet guy. And, you know, it's not like he didn't have enemies here. Remember the whole thing with his grandniece Mary? Sure do. How could I forget? Remember that? Well, when she married Joseph Knapp, he cut her out of the will completely. Ooh. Then there was the whole slave trader thing to really piss people off. So it's like, he's got a lot of people who don't like him. Yeah, he's stepping into shit everywhere. He's not doing great stuff. Now, on April 27th, suddenly it seemed that there was a movement in the case, indirectly at least, you see, Joseph Knapp Jr. and his brother John Knapp went to the Vigilance Committee and said the night before they were robbed by three guys in Wentham. Mm. So now everyone started thinking this threesome of doom were the ones terrorizing the community. Threesome of doom. Yeah, these three guys in Wentham are just terrorizing everybody. Funny how there's three brothers. Mm. Yeah, that's very, very strange. guys. Now, the Essex Gazette reported this and made sure to stress that the Nat boys, quote, are well-known in this town and their respectability and veracity are not questioned by any of our citizens. Mm. So they're like, they're fine. Don't worry about them. Okay. hmm hmm mm-hmm. Now, a little more than a week after the murder, Stephen White received a letter from a jailer in the new Bedford jail. The letter was a bombshell. It said that an inmate whose name was Hatch said that before his arrest, he had overheard 26-year-old Richard Crowningshield. Does that sound familiar? Richard Crowningshield was one of the petty thieves that little Frank Knapp there became friends with in his teens. Yes. Now, he was a small-time thief from a very prominent Salem family, though. Like, he was a petty thief, but he came from a very prominent family. So weird. So he had overheard him, this inmate, had overheard Richard telling his brother George that he was intending to steal Captain White's iron chest. He was arrested in Salem, and the Committee of Vigilance brought Hatch from the jail to testify before a Salem grand jury. On May 5th, 1830, the jury indicted Richard Crowninshield for murder. So they, like, it happened, like, boom, boom, boom. Like, this guy Hatch, an inmate, told this jailer, hey, I overheard this guy talking about stealing Captain White's chest, The jailer told Stephen White. Stephen White went to the Vigilance Committee. The Vigilance Committee arrested Richard, put him on trial. The jury went in front of him and indicted him immediately for murder. It really was just like boop, boop, boop. Telephone. Truly. So his brother George, because remember he was telling his brother George that he was going to do this, and a couple of other people present during this supposed confession were charged with abetting the crime, and they were all detained in the Salem jail. Damn. So these two were definitely not the best the crown and shield family had to offer yeah it doesn't sound like it they were disappointments to mm. say the least so you see the crown and shield family was one of the wealthiest most respected and most distinguished families in salem before richard was arrested his cousins wrote their father which would be his uncle who was a congressman in washington to tell him that they were worried Richard may have had a hand in that murder. Ooh. So they immediately were like, I'm worried about this being yeah. him. So then on May 14th of 1830, Joseph Knapp Sr. received a letter from Belfast, Maine. This said, quote, Dear Sir, I have taken the pen at this time to address an utter stranger. And strange as it may seem to you, it is for the purpose of requesting the loan of $350, for which I can give you no security but my word. And in this case, consider this to be sufficient. My call for money at this time is pressing, or I would not trouble you. But with that sum, I have the prospect of turning it so much advantage as to be able to refund it with interest in the course of six months. At all events, I think it will be of your interest to comply with my request, and that immediately, that is, not to put off any longer than you receive this, then set down and enclose me the money with as much dispatch as possible for your own interest." This, sir, is my advice, and if you do not comply with it, the short period between now and November will convince you that you have denied a request, the granting of which will never injure you, the refusal of which will ruin you. Are you surprised at this assertion? It is useless for me to enter into a discussion of facts which must inevitably harrow up your soul. To conclude, sir, I will inform you that there is a gentleman of my acquaintance in Salem that will observe that you do not leave town before the 1st of June, giving you sufficient time between now and then to comply with my request, and if I do not receive a line from you, together with the above sum, before the 22nd of this month, I shall wait upon you with an assistant. I have said enough to convince you of my knowledge and merely inform you that you can, when you answer, be as brief as possible." Direct yours to Charles Grant Jr. of Prospect, Maine.
0: My favorite, I have a couple of favorite parts about this. Numero one is that he's like, I can't pay you back right away, but like I will. And my word is good, even though you have no idea who I am. You just got to take it. And then number two, when you write back to me, just like shut the fuck up and just like <laughs> do it briefly. Do it briefly. Don't waste my time. Please. No don't flower it with a bunch of words like fuck you you're asking me for money i will write you a six-page novel if i feel like it
1: and also you just vomited flowery prose all over my ass and now you're telling me that i can just be like no yeah i'll write you a short story my bro and this again was given to the senior nap so joseph senior yes yes so he could make no sense of this he was, he was like, like Who "What is the this? fuck and he asked his son for advice he was like what the fuck is this and joe knapp jr said it's a devilish lot of trash and he advised him to give it to the vigilance committee i'm gonna refer to myself as a devilish, devilish lot, lot of, of trash. trash i do love that they did just that they gave it to the committee and the committee got a brilliant lawyer named rudis choate on board to help in a few days two more letters were turned into the committee one had been received by the chairman, Dr. Gideon Barstow, and it was also signed Grant. So it was signed the same kind of thing. Right. The letter basically said that this letter writer and Stephen White had killed Captain White and that Stephen had promised him $5,000 that had not been paid. Oh. So now it's getting gnarly. The second letter had come to Stephen White himself and was signed N. Claxton IV, It said that if the $5,000 or part of it was not sent before the next day, Stephen would suffer, quote, painful consequences. Oh, shit. So everybody's like, what the fuck is going on right now? Right. By waiting at the post office for Charles Grant to get his mail, they discovered that this was a man named John C.R. Palmer in Belfast who had served some time in prison for burglary. So they set up this whole thing that they just waited at the post office. Yeah, that seems because pretty es- straightforward. Especially back then, I feel like it was so easy to just be like, okay, just go there and right. wait for that person, and they're probably going to show up. <laughs> it's probably like half a block away. So they found out that Charles Grant was indeed John C.R. Palmer. And again, he had served some time in prison. And he's a new character. He's, he's a new guy. random as fuck. So they were like, hey, John C.R. Palmer, um, you're going to be charged with accessory to murder unless you testify. Boom. Because they were like, what, you're saying that you had a hand in this. Yeah, like you you put that in writing, dingus. So he was promised immunity for his testimony. And he said during a stay at the Crown and Shield home, um, Palmer, like this guy, John C.R. Palmer, had heard George tell Richard, so the two Crown and Shield brothers. Yes. Yes. That John Knapp Jr. wanted them to kill Captain White. Okay. And that Joe Knapp Jr. would pay them $1,000 to commit the crime. Because John was the one who was supposed to get married or already did marry. Exactly. So now the two Crown and Shield brothers seem to be like being used as like the muscle here. Yeah, murder for hire. Exactly. And the Knapps are the one trying to plan this whole thing And order it. So the Committee of Vigilance promptly arrested the Knapp brothers. Yes. They, they were, were like, probably yeah. just like waiting too anyway. Yeah, they just needed it. Now, once in jail, Joseph Jr. was visited by his pastor, who was the Reverend Mr. Coleman. He was convinced that Joe was guilty, so he, he wanted him to confess to him. Yeah. Like he went in there being like, I know he did it, so I'm going to go in there. He visited the jail three times in one day, and in the end of May, after being promised immunity from prosecution... He finally got Joe Knapp to confess to his role in the murder plot. Do you think that's true or do you think they just broke him down? I think they just broke him down. Likely, (laughs) to be quite honest. But they are playing it like, you know, he just, it was after he was promised immunity. Like, I don't even think that was it. Full confession after 19 visits. Yeah, because I don't think he would have, like, risked his family name and all that like that easily i think it would have had to have been kind of browbeaten out of him. but like either way we we got a confession i guess the confession was nine pages damn yeah um little parts of it i will read to you i was gonna Uh, say (laughs) i'm not gonna read the entire thing one of them says i knew that mr white had made out a will in which he gave my mother-in-law mrs beckford a legacy of fifteen thousand dollars According to my understanding of the law, which I've learned since that which I've since learned was erroneous, I believed she would get a $200,000 if no will was found. I therefore decided to steal the will and have Mr. White assassinated. 4 days before the murder, I was in Mr. White's chamber and procuring the key to his iron chest. I took his will and carried it home, burning it several days later. My brother Frank negotiated with Richard Crowninshield, who agreed to do the deed for $1,000. Okay. So Joe is just spilling it all right now. Spilling tea. Also, he says, the night of April 6th was finally decided upon, and I persuaded my mother-in-law to spend a few days with my wife at Wenham. Or Wenham, excuse me. On the 6th, I visited Mr. White's home, to which I always had access, and unfastened the window at the back of the rear parlor. That day, Crown and Shield showed me the the bludgeon and dagger with which the murder was to be committed. Crown and Shield and my brother Frank met at 10 o'clock that night by appointment and proceeded to a spot where they could observe the movements in White's Mansion. It was a beautiful moonlit night.
0: (laughs) He was like, we talked about murder. We set it all up. And by the way,
1: it It was was beautiful. It was gorgeous outside. It was very celestial out there. Uh, Crown and Shield requested Frank to go home. He left, but soon returned. During this absence, the lights in the mansion were extinguished, and shortly afterward, the hired assassin placed a plank against the house, entered the window, and crept upstairs to White's sleeping chamber. The moon was shining through the window onto the old man's face. What? Why are you... Why are we talking about the moon so much? Like like why in your confession are you like it was a fucking gorgeous moonlit night. And then all- you're like when we got in there, let me tell you how beautiful the old man looked with that fucking moonlight on his goddamn face. Like what? Why are you talking about the moonlight so much, sir? Are we going to get into character development now? I'm like is this like is this supposed to be like fiction? Like what are you doing? <laughs> Now a
0: word from our sponsor, BetterHelp. Uh, life can be really overwhelming, and a lot of people are burned out without even realizing it. Symptoms can include lack of motivation, irritability, fatigue, and more. And the thing is, we associate burnout with work, but that's really not the only cause. Any of our roles in life can lead us to feel burned out. You're taking care of people all the time instead of taking care of yourself first. Of course that's going to lead you to a burnout. But BetterHelp Online Therapy wants to remind you to prioritize yourself. Talking with somebody can help you figure out what's causing the stress in your life. I love therapy. It took me a long time to realize that I needed therapy, but once I did and I started with my therapist, things have never been better. I honestly just think talking to somebody about everything that's going on in your life for like one hour per week makes everything feel so much less overwhelming. And BetterHelp is customized online therapy that offers video, phone, and even live chat sessions with your therapist so you don't have to see anybody on camera if you don't want to. It's much more affordable than in-person therapy and you can be matched with a therapist in under 48 hours. Our listeners get 10% off their first month at betterhelp.com slash morbid. That's betterhelp.com slash morbid. Unlike other programs, Noom Weight uses a psychology-based approach to help people better understand their relationship with food. It teaches them how to be more mindful of the way that they're eating and gives them the skills and knowledge they need to build long-lasting, positive habits. And let me tell you about my experience in the past with all these different diet things and all that. I'm always just like super overwhelmed when I start the process of getting back onto my health grind. Not only is it super duper intimidated heading back to the gym and familiarizing yourself with all the equipment, But in general, I feel like the wellness community is always throwing things at us left and right. There's all these different supplements. There's all these strict rules about what we should be eating, what we shouldn't be eating, what's trendy at the time, what's not, blah, blah, blah. It's overwhelming and it's going to lead to disasters. That's why I'm done with that. And that's why I love Noom because Noom believes that the only place you really need to start with is your mind. With Noom Weight, you're going to take a path toward better health one lesson at a time. Their psychology-based approach helps you change the way you think about food and health rather than demanding you to change your entire lifestyle. That's just not feasible. When I started with Noom, I had no idea that there was actually so much psychological meaning behind all the different choices that we make surrounding our diets and our exercise too. For example, like me personally, I grew up having to finish the plate of food in front of me because that's just the way it was. Over the years, I would not listen to my body, like even when I was an adult and nobody was telling me to finish my plate, I still thought I had to and I was like, oh no, like I'm not listening actually to my body being full and instead I'm just eating this whole plate of food when I don't even need to. So ever since then, I've recognized that it's so much easier to listen to my body and now I know when I'm done with a meal. I'm also enjoying exercise, which I'm like, whoa, who is she though? Because now that I'm eating cleaner, I'm actually fueling my body. And instead of looking at exercise as like a punishment for eating a cupcake, I'm actually excited at the different things that my body can do now. Noom honestly feels like it's catered to my personal experience and I truly appreciate that because Noom doesn't believe in restricting what you can or can't eat. Instead, Noom gives you the knowledge and wisdom you need to make informed choices that help you get closer to reaching your goals and that's all you really want to do and Noom understands that. They also understand that building long-term positive habits can be hard and filled with ups and downs and that's why Noom believes that it's all about progress, not perfection. Everybody's journey looks different start building better habits today sign up for your trial at noom.com slash morbid that's noo slash morbid to sign up for your trial again noom.com slash morbid noo slash morbid to sign up for your trial
1: now crown and shield swung his bludgeon and struck white on the left temple Oof! probably killing him instantly but to be certain, he lowered the bedclothes and stabbed him repeatedly in the region of the heart. He then felt his pulse, and being satisfied that the job was well done, he departed. He met Frank on a side street and explained in detail what he had done. After hiding the bludgeon under the steps of a meeting house on Howard Street, he returned to Danvers. my God. So he, he hid the murder weapon under the steps of a meeting house. What? So he said, I was at home in Wentham on this night. A few days later, Crown and Shield, accompanied by my brother Frank, called on me at my home in Wenham and demanded his money. I was only able to pay him 105 franc pieces. He related to me all the details of the assassination, and I informed him that our work had been all in vain, that the will I stole was not the last one. And even if it had been, my object would not have been accomplished because of my understanding of the law. Oh, shit. So before, remember, we said he was old, he was getting ill, and he decided to draft a new will. Well, this idiot didn't know that and stole the old will. And he's clear, he's even admitting, he's like, I'm a dummy and I thought I understood laws, but I don't. So even if this was the real will, I still didn't understand it enough to be actually getting the objective that I thought I was getting. Right. Which is wild. And then he said, the story my brother and I told the Vigilance Committee on April 27th in regard to the alleged robbery was a sheer fabrication. So him saying like he, they were robbed by three ghouls in the night. Yeah. Total fabrication. Knew that as soon as you said it. And he said, it was I who wrote the two anonymous letters. Oh. Oh, yeah. <clears throat> so and he was like, that was me too. So did he, he, did he just like hire that guy to mail them? I think he hired that guy to be like part of the whole thing. Now, Joe Knapp knew that Captain White had cut Mary from the will when she married him. Mm -hmm. But he figured that if Captain White died without a legal will, his fortune would be divided among his close relatives, giving Mary Beckford, Knapp's mother-in-law, a considerable fortune. Now, this all added up because that window that was opened that Benjamin, the manservant, first saw before discovering Captain White's body... It was left open the night before because Joseph, who was married to Captain White's grand niece Mary, had full run of the house and left it open intentionally to allow entrance in the night. Damn! Like he had full run of the house. Of course, he was able to do yeah. that. The last true will of Joseph White, favoring his nephew, um, favoring his nephew Stephen, was safely in the office of his lawyer. Oh. So that wasn't even in the house wow dude this was all for naught yep now joe and frank had debated how to commit the murder they considered ambushing captain white on the road or attacking him in his house while he was awake but john knapp told joe that quote he had not the pluck to do it and suggested hiring richard and george crown and shield because they had known them forever and, and they, they knew were who like they were we know they're like scary so right. let's do that now, according to Massachusetts law at the time, you could be you could be prosecuted, or excuse me, you couldn't be prosecuted as an accessory to a crime unless the principal person who committed the crime was charged, tried, and convicted. So Richard took care of that. Oh. Now, on June 15th, at two in the afternoon, a jailer found Richard's body hanging by its neck from two silk handkerchiefs tied to the bars of the cell window. I had a feeling that you were going to say that. And they had slit his throat to make sure he was dead, and a note was left in the cell requesting no autopsy to be performed. Fishy. Yeah. They slit his throat to Either make sure he was dead? he slit his throat or they slit his throat. Nobody is quite sure.
0: Interesting.
1: And they asked no autopsy be performed
0: yeah in the note i feel like he pissed someone off
1: yeah maybe? so this is tough because now massachusetts was like well fuck because this guy offed himself before they could try him so now they have to try to get the other three on trial even though it appeared that richard was the one who actually did the murdering he's the principal so the are not gonna states, be able to if that person isn't tried and convicted. What are we gonna do? Where's the new precedent? Where is it? So things were even harder now because Joseph Knapp was refusing to testify and uphold his confession. Oh, so well, now yeah, he's he saying knows he no. doesn't have to. Exactly. So the prosecution called in Senator Daniel Webster of Boston, Hell yeah. who was apparently a famous lawyer and a proven magical unicorn man with powers unlike the world had ever seen. Really? Essentially. Oh. At least that's how history remembers him. <laughs> uh, yeah, it usually flowers it up a bit. Like, this is, this is actually a quote about him. They said when he walked the woods with his fishing rods, kill all the trout would jump out of the streams right into his pockets, for they knew it was no use putting up a fight against him. And when he argued a case, he could turn on the harps of the blessed and the shaking of the earth underground. A man with a mouth like a mastiff, a brow like a mountain, and eyes like burning athracite. That was Daniel Webster in his prime. Oh, okay. So he makes fish jump out of the stream and into his fucking pockets. I bet. So like I trust him as my lawyer. I would be like, yeah, all right. You make fish jump into your pockets, I'm down. But did they say he made the the ground shake during during trials? Yeah, he made the ground shake. He, He could turn on the harps of the blessed wild yeah he's uh, you would think that they might look a little further into that and think that that was kind of freaky yeah i would be worried about that i know i was gonna say they here they are like hanging witches yeah for just like being Existing. women and then it's like being people that yeah. they didn't like because yep. because giles Corey. Yep. but th- so they're doing that and it's like but then this guy they're like the harps turn on all of a sudden when he comes in and the ground shakes and like fish jump into his pockets and it's like you don't think that's witchcraft like no one's questioning that okay okay Now, his strategy for the prosecution was to say that John was the principal and not Richard. Okay. So they were like, we got to turn this around because if we lost our principal, we got to make a new principal here. Well, I mean, I guess if you look at it, John really is the principal because he's the one who ordered it. He wanted it and he was getting the most out of it. Yeah. So then they could go back and get Joe as an accessory. Exactly. So they were going to get John and then Joe there, who is like, oh, I'm not going to say anything about my confession anymore. It's like, oh, well, bitch, we're going to get you as an accessory. Because he is an accessory. He is. He is. Now, the jury initially deadlocked, Ooh. and then a retrial began two days later. Dr. Pearson was brought back, the one who thought there could have been more than one assailant. He was the medical examiner that was like, yeah, I can't say without a doubt. Right, right. So he got brought back, and he, he was used to basically put a nugget into the jury's minds that there could have been more than one assailant. Yikes. Which was really smart, because they're being like, all right, we're pretending that George is the only murderer here, and that's what Joe over here is going to have you believe. Yeah. But, like, it doesn't say that there couldn't have been two, and we can't sit here and just say that it's one, so. Good thing he said that. Very smart. Now, Daniel Webster's closing argument was called a masterpiece. Ooh, they really love him. They love a Daniel Webster. (laughs) He, like, has something on someone. Well, you know what? It also worked. The prosecution won. The defendant was found guilty as charged. Hey, I don't know. Maybe fish do jump into his pockets. I think they might. So, who am I to say? Who, I wasn't there. I, I wasn't. didn't see it, but I didn't not see it either. Accurate. Now, Joseph Knapp was then on trial, and he was convicted on September 28, 1830. Frank was hanged in Salem jail three months later. Joseph was hanged from the same scaffold. Ooh. Yeah. So, bye, guys. George Crown Shield was acquitted... Because two ladies of the evening provided him a saucy alibi for the night of the murder. I'm obsessed with that. Which they came forward and they were like, sorry, hate to tell you. Love he to was tell you. <laughs> He was busy. I don't know what to tell you. So here is part of that legendary closing argument, because if it's a masterpiece, you should hear part of it. <clears throat> the human heart was not made for the residence of such an inhabitant. It finds itself preyed on by a torment, which it dares not acknowledge to God or man. A vulture is devouring it, and it can ask no sympathy or assistance, either from heaven or earth. The secret which the murderer possesses soon comes to possess him, and leads him whithersoever it will. He feels it beating at his heart, rising in his throat, and demanding disclosure. He thinks the whole world sees it in his face, reads it in his eyes, and almost hears its workings in the very silence of his thoughts. It has become his master. It betrays his discretion. It breaks down his courage. It conquers his prudence. When suspicions from without begin to embarrass him and the net of circumstance to entangle him, the fatal secret struggles with still greater violence to burst forth. It must be confessed. It will be confessed. There is no refuge from confession but suicide. And suicide is confession. Wow. Was that, I, I see why that made people say, well, throw them in jail. It was real magnificent. And also it, that speech, that closing argument was published in an anthology of great speeches. Oh, wow. Yeah. I mean, it is a good speech. It's a really great speech. Well, and then like what's wild about this is like um, this guy, his name is Edgar Allan Poe. He got a copy of the speech anthology book and he was inspired by this one. To write one of his B-sides that you may have never heard of. It's called The Telltale Heart. So this is what inspired The Telltale, the tell-tale Heart? Heart. OMG! Yep. Because if you see, he's talking about how, you know, a murderer that it sits inside of him you know it possesses him it becomes him he feels it beating at his heart rising in his throat he thinks everyone can see it he feels like everybody can feel it and hear it and see it like it's literally the tell hill heart that like you can't escape what you've done that's
0: crazy that this is isn't wow. that wild i also love that you went through the entire case yeah and then said that yeah that's crazy gotta end on it yeah no that's a that's a boom ending yeah. With HelloFresh, you get farm fresh, pre portioned ingredients and seasonal recipes delivered right to your doorstep. So, skip trips to the grocery store and count on HelloFresh to make home cooking easy, fun, and affordable. That's why it's America's number one meal kit. HelloFresh also has over 30 dinner recipes to choose from every single week. That is the most choices of any meal kit. By the way, if you're going away this summer, update your delivery address and enjoy HelloFresh at your vacation destination with just a simple click. Because that's the thing about HelloFresh, their plans are super duper flexible, so they're going to work with your ever-changing schedule. They're also 72% cheaper than dining at a restaurant and even cheaper than grocery shopping, so that's money back in your pocket and more money to spend on your vacation destination. By the way, the meals are absolutely delicious. They are so yummy. Elena loves HelloFresh. I love HelloFresh. Everybody and their mom loves HelloFresh. The other night, Drew and I had people over. And whenever I know that we're gonna be doing that ahead of time, I order the meals that are for four people instead of for two. So then we can, you know, let our guests eat the meal too. And we had the Brussels sprout lemon pasta. It's like shaved Brussels sprouts in this like creamy lemony pasta. I really like it, took everything in me not to tell our guests that this was not a meal that I um, got from HelloFresh. I really wanted to tell them that it was like an old family recipe, but I had to give credit where credit was due. But everybody was like, oh my God, I'm going to sign up for HelloFresh like right now. And I was like, yeah, you should. And my favorite thing about HelloFresh is that their newest menu releases include Mediterranean recipes that are filled with fresh fruits and veggies, nuts, olive oils, and fiber packed whole grains for nourishing balance. That's exciting for all my. Vegetarian, 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 and pescatarian friends out there like me, because now we can have yummy Mediterranean recipes. You guys are gonna love HelloFresh. Go to hellofresh.com/slash/morbid16 and use code morbid16 for up to 16 free meals and three free gifts. Again, that's hellofresh.com/slash/morbid16 and use code morbid16 for up to 16 free meals and three free gifts.
1: It's and apparently you can and you can visit Captain White's home in Salem. Why have we Um, never gone? But what's crazy is they won't mention the Captain White murder on the tour. They just kind of like don't say it. So we go and we fuck up that whole tour. We fuck it up. We say, "Hey everyone, (laughs) hey, you know he got murdered. (laughs) (laughs) His ghost is up in here, all up in here." But yeah, that is the murder of Captain White in Salem, Massachusetts, in 1830 wow brother that what a, was what a wild and it was definitely the crown and shields and the nap brothers were working in tandem oh yeah and they all got got they got got got, got. they got 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 wow. at the end
0: that was a really good one
1: i like that. not that crazy it's nuts it's these old timey ones man they have such weird shit in them that it's just like you get like giddy for old timey shit. i love an old timey shit because it's just like there's so much involved yeah so much that you can look at like the fact that that speech That's nuts. Like inspired the telltale heart because Edgar Allan Poe read that speech anthology book. Like, and it it really does. Like when you hear the speech, you're like, that's the telltale heart. That's literally what that is. Yeah. Like you can't escape the things that you've done and they're going to follow you and they're going to drive you crazy until you, until you figure out a way out. That's the truth. Look at that. Well, (laughs) thank you for listening. And we hope you keep it but not so weird that you do any of this but cool that it inspired the telltale art yeah don't murder anybody for anything but definitely not for money that you're not gonna get (laughs) cause you don't understand the law yeah you're dumb
0: Follow Morbid on the Wondery app, Amazon Music, or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen to episodes early and ad-free by joining Wondery Plus in the Wondery app or on Apple Podcasts. Before you go, tell us about yourself by completing a short survey at wondery.com
1: slash survey. Hey weirdos! We have a ton of episodes that we think you will just love, but if you scroll down the feed just a bit, there's one we think you should definitely check out if you missed it. Episode 531, Tom Bird and Lorna Anderson Eldridge, is one of our favorite episodes, and you might even get a little bit more out of it, especially in light of the viral TikTok series. Who the Fuck did I marry? That is taking the internet by storm. Here's the deal, you guys. Tom Bird and Lorna
0: Anderson, they wanted to spend their lives together. But there was a catch. They were already married to other people. So they did as deviants do, and they devised a mischievous and murderous plan to rid themselves of their respective spouses. But just how far were they willing to go with their lies? And would they get away with it? You can find this episode by following Morbid and scrolling back a little bit to episode 531, Tom Bird and Lorna Anderson Eldridge, or by searching Morbid Bird Anderson wherever you listen to podcasts.